Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Scoopy Radio in your airwaves, on the plane, on the train. Everywhere you need to be, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Twitter app, Stitch app, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. 3.5 million streams in 2018. We should have more than that in 2019. And What's even more extraordinary is a, a guy that I call a friend is on the line right now. Uh, he's a legend. Uh, if you look at high school football, college football, this guy is a quarterback machine. It's none other than Mike Peel, former Rutgers quarterback, Don Bosco Prep standout, Don Bosco Prep head coach, former Don Bosco Prep head coach on the line. Sir, what's going on? Scoopy, what's up, man? I appreciate you having me. How's everything? Man, trying to make it happen. Trying to make it happen. Every day. Yes, sir. So the news uh, over the last week or so uh, has been Greg Schiano, uh rejoining Rutgers football. How do you feel about the move? Uh, personally, I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm excited for the program. Um, more importantly, I'm excited for the current players and the future players of of Rutgers football to have a chance to work with Coach Ciano and, and be a part of his program. Um, he laid a foundation for me uh, in college that, you know, I still live true to, to this day. You know, he talks about the chop and, and doing, you know, one thing at a time, keeping your eye on one task and, until it's finished and then moving on. And there's so many things relatable that he has taught his team that work in the business world and that work as a, as a grown man. So I'm excited for those kids that have the opportunity to, to really learn and develop um, as people under Cociano. When folks used to say, Greg Ciano's coming back, I used to think of Allen Iverson. Uh, and so, you know I'm a basketball guy in the sense of uh, I knew he would one day come back to the Sixers. I knew one day LeBron James would come back to Cleveland and be a member of the Cavaliers. In your mind, did you ever think Greg Ciano would come back? I did. I kind of thought it was fate. I think it's fate that, that he was there the first time around um, because he was the man for the job back then. There was so much work that had to be done. Um, and frankly, it's probably similar in a similar position now. And, and I think that there was only one man for the job and only one man that would be able to revive a program that, frankly, has 
you know, been one of the worst in college football over the last couple of years. So, so I'm excited to, to watch him, you know, rebuild it. And this time not be a part of the rebuild as a player, but be part of the rebuild as a fan. So I'm excited for that. Super Radio on the line with Mike Teal. Uh, for those who are tardy to the party, uh, Teal was uh, the 178th pick, sixth rounder from the 2009. I have to get used to saying 2009, 2019. Long time ago. <laughs> the 2009 NFL draft. Uh, you were 23-0 and uh, as a starter at Don Bosco Prep. You later became the head coach at Don Bosco Prep. I'm curious for you uh, to keep it Greg Schiano. When did you first meet Greg? Oh, geez. I was, I was probably a freshman in high school. Um, I went down to the Rutgers summer camp, you know, as, as a high school kid, the earliest way to get on any of these college recruiting boards back then was to show up at the camp. Um, so I, I probably went down as, as a freshman or either going into my freshman year summer or my freshman summer going to my sophomore year of high school. And, uh, and I went down there and worked out and had a chance to spend some time with and meet him. Um, you know, me being a, a student athlete at Don Bosco prep, obviously, um, put up the antennas a little bit for the coaches down there to pay a little more attention. Um, so I was able to, to spend some time with him and, you know, geez, that was a long time ago now, but he was in the beginning of really rebuilding that program that, that, first couple of years that, that I had met them, they were one and 11, you know, two and two and 10, three and eight. And it's not like they were winning a lot of games back then. So they were working hard at really trying to recruit all the local New Jersey kids. You were offered scholarships by Rutgers, Penn State, Virginia, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Other than Rutgers, which of those schools were seriously interested in you? I, I think all of them, to be honest. Um, you know, I at least I, I like to think so. You know, if if you were to try to commit to them, it's probably a different story. But <clears throat> my recruiting came down to to really Penn State, Wisconsin, and and Rutgers. Uh, I committed in July. I wanted to commit before the season, going into my senior season. So I got all that stuff out of the way. So my dad and I took unofficial trips during the summertime. We visited Wisconsin. We we visited. Uh, Michigan State. We visited Penn State, and obviously we were down at Rutgers a bunch. And Wisconsin was interesting because of their depth chart. I thought I had a chance to go there and compete early and have a chance to play. And and obviously being in the Big Ten, they were they were a team that was high on the radar. Um, and then really, when it came down to it, Rutgers was another really interesting place because of the vision that Coach Shiano was preaching to to myself and to the other players in New Jersey. Um, the depth chart worked out very well for me. And when I sat down and, and I listened to coach's vision for what he had for the program and what he had for me individually, uh, it really kind of became a no brainer. And for me, I was able to play for four years in front of my friends and my family, uh, really every weekend. And I got to represent New Jersey, which was uh, probably one of the best pieces of my college career. You led Rutgers to a 9-0 start in 2006. I said it right, 2006. Uh, you, you led the team to a 9-0 start uh, and one of the biggest wins in school history over Louisville. Everybody talked about it. Your mama, your mama's mama, your mama's mama's mama about that victory. You played with Brian Leonard, Tyquan Underwood, uh, Eric Foster, Kenny Britt, and Ray Rice. Where, what is one mistake that you made in that game that you, even though you won, that you wish you could take back? 
Well, I mean, I, I threw an interception in the first quarter, um, which, you know, sometimes you're kind of just on different pages with the receiver. You know, the, the DB was playing over the top, and I thought Tyquan Underwood was going to kind of break it underneath in front of the receiver. And you have to throw the ball before the receivers are out of the breaks. We were just kind of on different pages. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily take that one back because that was, you know, two guys just, just not being on the same page. It wasn't a true mistake. Uh, really something that no one would really realize or know. There was a run call in the third quarter um, as we were starting to make our comeback in that game. Um, it was a run check. It was an outside zone to the right or a, a power scheme to the left. And, and I missed the check. And if I hadn't gotten the check right, and I think it had something to do with the play clock running down, but if I hadn't got the check right, we might have popped a big one. Um, it was like a second and second and eight, second and seven. You know, we ended up going third and eight, and we didn't convert on third down, and we were off the field. Um, you know, if we had a run, ran a right run play there, we might have got the third and two, third and three, and had a chance, to, a better chance to convert. Scoopy Radio and all platforms on the line with Mike Teal. Uh, your teammate was Ray Rice. What I noticed about you on Twitter recently was when the Rutgers team uh, in 2006 was honored. Some people kind of came at Ray Rice for his, you know, his past transgressions with his wife. He since made peace with his wife. It's almost 2020. Um, I, I guess my question is, how do you think people can move on from what happened with Rex, a friend of yours? He's a dear friend of mine, and, you know, some people never will. And, and that's, their, that's their own prerogative. And, you know, that's, that's how they feel, and that's how they feel. I, I, I'm not here to try to sway how they feel, um, but I was there at that time to, to voice my opinion on it. And, Ray made an inexcusable and disgusting mistake. Um, it was a mistake. I know Ray personally. I've known Ray for a long time. I know his family. I know his wife. Uh, it's a mistake that is intolerable and, and something that should never, ever, ever happen. But it was a mistake. And, and I feel that, you know, a lot of times Ray was a scapegoat for, for a lot of the talk of domestic violence and, and domestic abuse. And, it's unfortunate, but when I spoke to Ray after everything went down, and obviously no one wanted it to go down the way it did, he said, "As long as as long as I can get my wife to forgive me and my father-in-law to forgive me, uh, you know, I'll be able to move on." And, and that was the important thing for him. And and you know, I, I was with him on Wednesday this past week at Coach Yano's press conference, and he's doing well, and his family's doing great. So so I'm happy for him. But but I needed to make sure I defended my boy. That's real. Uh, Scoopy Radio on the line with Mike Peel. You have really and truly, um, you have the respect of the NFL high school at large. Uh, one of the main reasons is because you definitely infiltrated uh, in different sets. I mean, you played in Seattle. You uh, got a mentor and, and a certain quarterback that played with the Seahawks, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't it the Dilfer brother? Uh, Matt Hasselbeck. Um, I apologize, Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, and then you were in Chicago. You were with the Patriots. And then you coached uh, at Wagner College. You coached at King University. Um, you coached at Don Bosco. What is something that you've learned from all of your coaching stops? Uh, I think as a coach, you have to be a great teacher. Uh, you, you need to understand how kids learn. And just because – in the coaching world, something makes sense to me. It might not necessarily make sense to the player. So you need to find different ways to, to 
to convey information to them where they can understand it. For some guys, it's all about watching tape. For other guys, it's about getting on the whiteboard. For other guys, it's about talking to them and showing them on the field. Um, so I think the the more people I was around in the coaching profession, the especially the higher level coaches, the guys in college and the guys in the NFL, they were great teachers and they were able to find ways to convey information to players. A lot of football coaches understand X's and O's and understand football. That's not really the hard part. The hard part is I understand X. I need to teach you X and make sure you understand X and not Y. Mm-hmm. Million dollar question. Greg Schiano is the head coach of Rutgers. Any interest in being on his coaching staff at Rutgers? It's a really, it's a really tough one. Um, you know, it would depend on what the opportunity was. You know, obviously you always want to, I want to hear every opportunity that comes your way in the business world, you know, whatever it might be, whether it's in coaching or whether it's in, you know, business like I'm in now. Um, but having been a part of, you know, Coach Yano's program as a, as a player um, and being a Rutgers guy, you would always entertain it. And, and it always, you know, you think about it and, you know, it'd be pretty cool to be part of, you know, the second rebuild, first time as a player, second time, you know, as a coach. That's kind of like Dwight Howard coming back to L.A. a second time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Scoopy <laughs> Radio on the line talking with Mike Teal, Rutgers, former Rutgers quarterback, uh, about all things Rutgers, talking all things uh, football. Um, when you look at Rutgers football at large, uh, Nunzio Campanelli, a guy we know well from Don Bosco, uh, guided that team as an interim head coach. Um, when you look at Rutgers football this year, where are you looking for them to improve um, as as a team? Well, I mean, I think there's so many areas that they need to improve. I think it starts, and Coach Ciano has mentioned this multiple times in this past, you know, seven days that he's been the head coach, is they've got to recruit better. They've got to keep Jersey kids home. Um, when you when you look at the on field difference, you know what do they have to do better? You know there'll be some games where they're out outmatched, they're out talented, and that's you know part of it. But I know that they'll have a great plan and they'll have the kids playing really hard. I think for them is is you can't make mistakes. You, you have to not beat yourselves when you're playing in a league as tough as you're playing in. And frankly, when there's teams like Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State that that have you know seven, eight, nine, ten NFL draft picks. You have to do a great job of giving yourself a chance, and that's by not making stupid mistakes. That means taking care of the football, um, giving yourself third and, and manageable opportunities on offense, and then and then really being able to get off the field on defense and changing the game on special teams. I think the first go around for Greg Schiano at Rutgers, he was able to change games on special teams, and that hasn't necessarily been the uh, the same result of late. So I'm excited to see that third phase of the game that, that he brings to the table. Mike, I'm curious. For me, you know my journey a little bit, having started with the Nets as a kid. Uh, when I finished grad school, um, with the Nets doing radio as a kid, when I went to grad school, when I finished grad school, I covered the Nets a little while during their time, in, their first year in Brooklyn. And I tell people all the time, you know, the organization that was there, there's pressure in being the kid, that everybody saw and then being an adult because they judge you based off of that. I'm curious from your perspective, when you coached at Don Bosco, um, did you find it to be pressure being the winning quarterback 
at Bosco and then leading that team as a coach? Did you feel pers- did you feel personal pressure? Um, I, I felt personal pressure, but I don't necessarily think it correlated to being a player there. I think it correlated to um, the program that Coach Toll built to the program that Don Bosco Prep has become um, on a national scale. It's not like it's you know only known in, in Bergen County. You go to California, you go to Florida, you go to Texas, you go to Ohio. Everyone knows who Don Bosco is. So I think the biggest thing for me was uh, to find a way to compete in the in one of the best leagues in the country um, with one of the best out-of-conference schedules in the country. And for those that don't know about high school football in, in New Jersey, is the out-of-conference out of games are against the best teams in the country, not against teams from, from New Jersey. So you're fighting to to really – beat the best teams in the country and then really the best teams in, in the state, which, you know, equate to some of the best teams in the country. Scoopy Radio on the line with Mike Peel. Uh, on the last game of his collegiate career, the 2008 PapaJohns.com Bowl. Peel helped rally Rutgers from a 17-6 deficit by throwing for 319 yards and two touchdowns. I could have used your arm in Madden. <laughs> there were a couple games that felt like man and I can tell you that much wasn't that game in Yankee Stadium uh, no that game was at Legion Field in Birmingham Alabama lord yeah oh man it was an experience down there the half the stadium was condemned it's the old stadium that you know Bear Bryant in Alabama used to play in back in the day it was pretty cool there's a lot of history down there but it was it was possibly the oldest stadium I've ever played in hmm what was the weather like in that game? Uh, the 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 daytime down there, and the the game was at the end of December. Um, the weather was in the 60s or, or you know low 70s when when the sun was up. When it got dark, it got a little chilly, but it didn't get any worse than you know the mid 50s, maybe low 50s. So it wasn't bad. But it was a nice sunny day. We played the first half in the sun. Uh, it got dark for the second half. It was like a 2.30 or 3 o'clock kickoff, if I remember correctly. Um, but it was a nice day. I do remember, man, you playing at Don Bosco. Uh, you and I had biology class together. It's Berkowitz. And mm-hmm. I just remember just that camaraderie with you guys. It reminded me about of the movie Remember the Titans. Um, there was just a level of camaraderie that you guys had. Remember the Titans and also Varsity Blues. Uh, there was a level of camaraderie that you guys had. There was a level of just um, cohesiveness that you have. Have you seen that level of camaraderie either as a coach or as a player anywhere else besides Don Bosco? Uh, there were two other times where I saw it. I think the one thing about Bosco, it was it was there through my entire time. When I was in college at Rutgers, the the 06 team really reminds me the most of Don Bosco because it didn't matter if you were an offensive player, a defensive player. It didn't matter if you were white or black. It didn't matter anything. You were a family and you were brothers. And I hung out as much with the defensive line and kids from Miami, Florida, as I did with the the receivers and the offensive guys and, and kids I went to high school with. And uh, I think that's really what separated that 06 team at Rutgers from anything is that every single player on that roster had each other's back. And it didn't matter who you were, where you were, you know, what color you are, where you were from. It, it was just really, truly one team. And, and, you know, as they say, you know, one heartbeat. Uh, 
much like the the teams that I play on at Don Bosco. When did you realize um, that football as a player was was no longer for you, and do you still miss it playing it? Yeah, I miss it every day. Um, I definitely do. I part part of the realization um, in the NFL that you know football is is coming to an end is is in, it's not your decision. Um, you know, eventually your time runs out, and sometimes it's because of injury. Sometimes it's because you just weren't good enough. And in my case, I, I just wasn't good enough, and I didn't get that chance. I think to make it to the NFL. Everyone has a skill level that is comparable, and and you're good enough to be at that level. There's there's a reason why. A lot of it has to do with timing and being in the right place. Um, and for whatever reason, for a lot of guys, it just doesn't work out like that. Um, but the other thing, when I got to the NFL, you realize the business aspect of it, which is way different than the college world. In college, you're hanging out with your buddies, you're going to class, you're playing football. In the NFL. You go to work from seven in the morning till six at night, and then you go home to your family. Um, and that was a huge wake up call for me. When guys played bad on Sunday afternoon, on Monday or Tuesday morning, there were 10, 10 guys at that position working out to see if they were going to take your job. So it, it's a much different atmosphere, and, and there's a business component, obviously a financial component to it that really changed it for me and and really I wasn't expecting that and it was a pretty sure. pretty eye opening experience. Eric Legrand has been a guest on Scoopy Radio. He speaks reverently about you um and thinks the world of you. He's a member of my church as well. And um I don't remember Eric Grant excuse me, Eric Legrand before the injury, but I know the impact that he's had. Uh, I've heard stories about just how athletic he was. From your perspective, what do you remember about him uh, on the field? So I was an older player. He was either a freshman or a sophomore, maybe a redshirt freshman, but I don't think he redshirted. But he was a young player when I was there. My senior year, he played fullback for us. We mm -hmm. we had our fullback had gotten hurt. Um, we were thin at that position. Like you said, he was a very athletic player. So they moved him to, to fullback and – I remember him, you know, in the huddle having no idea what the play was. And I was telling him, you're going to go through this gap and you're going to block number 38. You know, like he, he had no idea because he had just gotten switched, but he just went out there and he did exactly what you told him to do. And once he learned the system and he learned what his job was, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, and then you fast forward, you know, two years later and he's, you know, he's about six two. But he's two hundred and you know eighty pounds, and he's playing on the defensive line, and he's dominating. He's he was as good as as good as it gets. Uh, super athletic, and really played with this passion and this motor that probably you know helped him hide a little bit of the physical um, traits that he lacked in in his size. He wasn't the biggest player on the defensive line, but man, did he play with heart and a motor. Nunzio Campanelli uh, was the interim uh, head coach for Rutgers. Like I said before, you, you, we know Nunzio during the Don Bosco prep days. Uh, Greg Ciano sung his praises at the press conference that he, he has a future in Division One football. Um, I guess my question to you is, uh, playing for him at Don Bosco, did you know he? Did you know that he was going to be the guy that he is now in, in the professional sports world? Not necessarily. Uh, I think his pedigree and his background, obviously, you know, goes goes way back to his, all his brothers were football coaches. His father was one of the innovators in high school football in New Jersey, and 
No, really, he, he and Anthony, his, his younger brother, were the first two to, to leave the high school world and get into college football. And you know, I think there's a lot of reasons to do that. One is the financial aspect. College coaches are getting paid nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that that obviously is a piece of it when you're trying to take care of your family. But back when we were at Bosco, when, when Nuns was there, he was like 22, 23 years old. He was fresh sure. out of college. Um, sure. So he, he spent a lot of time at Bosco, which I think was the best thing for him because he learned and he developed and he, you know, from 22 to say 28, I don't know how long he was there. I would get somewhere like 10 years before he went to Burden Catholic, but I'm sure he learned an awful lot as a young coach. Um, you know, at Bosco, having that opportunity and then going to, to Bergen Catholic and taking over the program there and, and then obviously leaving and, and going to Rutgers. So he's, he's always had the pedigree um, and he's always had the, the background in, in the family, uh, that they're, they're a true football family. What did you learn from Coach Toll about life? <sighs> you know, so much. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that Coach Toll teaches you is that it's not always going to go your way. And at some point, it's going to be hard. And you're going to have two decisions. You can either curl up on a ball and, and die, or you can get back up on your feet and, and continue to move forward. And I think more than any football game he's ever won, he's taught so many young kids how to really how to be a man. And, and he sets you up and he prepares you for for life after after high school football and, and you know really for for life in general and I think that's probably the biggest thing that you take from him. What's next for you? Well, I'm in the business world now and I'm really enjoying it. I'm working for a company called RTS. We are a technology platform based company that works in the waste management and sustainability industry and business. We work with major stadiums. City Field, the Barclays Center, you know, Bank of America, Google, FedEx Field down in Washington, D.C. So I'm running sales for New Jersey. Um, really enjoying it. It's a, it's a really neat company. It's innovative. It's new. Um, and we've done a lot of really good things. So, so hopefully I continue to, to grow within the company and have opportunities to, to advance my career and, and get to watch college football and high school football on Friday nights and Saturdays on television. You can't stay away from the stadiums, brother. You're still working in it now in travel. You can't beat it. <laughs> hey, you, you, you know, you, you travel and you stick to what you know. You know what I mean? What are three things in the NFL that stand out to you right now? Uh, well, shoot, I, I watched more NFL football this year than I than I have all year. I think number one is the penalties. It's uh, on both sides of the ball. It's I know that they've tried to to make the game safer for players, but I feel like you can't go five plays without a penalty. Um, two is uh, I think people have finally caught on to the to the Patriots, and you know they're ten and three, but but I think the offense all year has struggled. They've been one of the best defenses in the league, but but I think that all of a sudden now teams are really starting to to figure him out. Uh, and then three, this dude, Lamar Jackson. I mean, he is, he is as good as it gets. And I watched him in college a bunch and, you know, I followed him, you know, through his career at Louisville and I, they didn't throw the ball like they do in, in the NFL. And I didn't think he had a chance. And that kid, man, he is so good and he is so fun to watch and he is changing the game for the better, which is awesome. You, 
when we were at Don Bosco, uh, always watched you and your relationship with your father, uh, who recently passed away. Um, he was a, what was he, a, a Port Authority police officer? Yes. And he was really invested in your football early on. Um, how is the healing process for you? And is it difficult to watch football without without him being there? Yeah, I mean, I think the first part of what you just said is he was invested in, in myself and my brother and sister as us, not just as football players, but as, as his kids. Um, obviously, football carried a special piece for both of us, him being a, a high school football player and one of the best, you know, to ever play at Richfield Park High School and then and then me having the opportunity to play at Bosco and play at Rutgers and play after that in the NFL. Um, you know, it's there's times and there's things that come up and it makes you think of them. And, and more so than anything, it kind of puts a smile on your face. You know, I miss him every day. Um, he, he gave the ultimate sacrifice as a first responder um, for, for 9-11 and the, and the terror attacks on the buildings. Um, in New York City, and I think that the unselfishness that he showed there is the same unselfishness that that he showed as as a father. And um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know his his cancer nine eleven related caused him to pass away, you know, way earlier than than he should have. Um, but the thing for, for myself, my brother, sister, and my mom is that, you know, his memory lives on and the, the little things that, that happen every once in a while that, you know, just kind of remind you of them. That, that's what, you know, makes the relationship that, that we were able to have with our dad so important. I like it. I like it, brother. Mike, thank you so much for joining the pod, man. And uh, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of you very soon. Oh, man, this is fun. Let's try to do it again sometime. I would love it. I'm with it. I'll talk to you soon, good brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Scoopy Radio. Overtime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.